Shall we have a salute? Welcome back. Thank hey, you, For our yeah. new papa. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Congratulations. Yeah. It's great to be back. Thank you. That's quite lovely. Um, <clears throat> dad life, dad bod, I mean, dad everything. Is the bod going south? No. <laughs> no Bod's going north. Not. Yeah. <laughs> no. What's I actually Ru- feel better. What's Rumi up to right now? Right now? Right now. Probably deep in the boob. You know? Yeah. Like Rumi's sleeping a lot. Like what? She's become like a hardcore feeder. Like like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, she's ready for another round. Damn. Like back to the boob. Yeah. Like right back at it. So you guys don't get much of a reprieve. It's no. like it's a lot yeah, of Erica doesn't. It's like a lot of active all management. day long. If you're not feeding, you're changing, you're burping, you're yeah. But these are the parts that are standard procedure and the parts that you fear going into this whole thing, right? Like that's the part that every guy in particular fears. Well, you're talking to three novices. Yeah. Right? We don't yeah. know what the fuck Well, I was terrified of that. I was terrified of like, my life is just going to become, it's going to revolve around this baby. I'm going to lose all sense of self. I'm going to lose um, all free time that I possibly have. And I actually sent you guys a clip. Uh, I don't know if you if you guys listened to it. It's from an audio book. And it's, uh, it's a story about a guy who actually, it's a totally different uh Topic of the book is about a guy who loses his child to a brain tumor. And he's a comedian. I think he's on the show. I don't know. I don't watch TV. It's like Community or something. Uh, and um, really great book. He has this section, though, that my friend sent me a clip of. This is basically a paraphrase of what he says. He's like, in particular, as a guy, you're, you're terrified. You're nervous. And he says, every time that a friend tells me they're nervous about having a baby, this is what I tell them. I say... You're already prepared for all the hard parts. You already know what it's like to have a lack of sleep. You already know what it's like to be in a lot of pain. You already know what it's like to be like feel like an, a fucking idiot and not know what you're doing. You already know what it's like to feel financial strain or pressure. You know all the hard parts. What you don't know is the mind-blowing amount of bliss that you're about to experience. The joy that comes from this opportunity is unlike anything, and you don't have any preparation for that. And it nails it. It's perfect because it's absolutely true. All the hard parts are things that are manageable that I was overly afraid of and concentrating on. And all the good parts, I have no experience or no content. I have nothing. And those good parts, I mean, I'm talking like, I'm, I'm literally like my, I, I'm experiencing emotions that I didn't even know I had. And he makes a joke in it as well. It's like, you know, and men in general are only in the last decade, even talking about their emotions and feelings <laughs> became legalized in society just in the last decade. So like for me, I'm experiencing a level of bliss and excitement and joy and fulfillment and happiness that I actually didn't know was really possible that I thought I was supposed to get from the success of my company or, uh, you know, making money or having a podcast with millions of downloads. I thought that's what is, and don't get me wrong, I still want those things. That's where you get this incredible level of like happiness and, and fulfillment. But I think this is much deeper for those that desire it. This is, an, this is another way to experience deep meaning for those that desire it. That's been like the big unlock for me this this week of being so you, in it. you've been blindsided by bliss. Mm-hmm. 
I like that. When wow. we get to millions of downloads, I want to revisit this and be like, okay, which, <laughs> which one's better? better? <laughs> <laughs> well, when Messi won the World Cup, that was that was pretty up there. <laughs> For you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For that him, was he was there. like, no, nah, it's still my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Messi. But no, it's it's been good. It's been really good. The good parts are amazing. Um, How many days in are we? We're one, we're one week in. She's okay. one week old. There's uh, probably mothers and fathers listening, having a good little chuckle. They, they know what's to yeah, come. I know. They're like probably like empathizing, like, yes, I understand, but also seeing what, what's to come, what kind of fun you're going to get into. I was in an uh, annual investor meetup for one of the real estate general partners I invest with, and I saw a guy I knew there, and he's like, are you going to have kids? And I was like, yeah, probably. Sounds, sounds fun. You know, he's like, oh, it's not fun. And he just gave me this dead, no, it's not fun. <laughs> but he kind of expressed what Armand was expressing. He's like, you will find a new found sense of like, he's like, I don't know how to explain it, like warmth in your heart, maybe? Like a new feeling that you haven't felt before. It won't be fun, but like that will be a whole new meaning to your life and um, and uh, just as rewarding. So that, that conversation like sums up, every conversation I've ever had in my whole life with anybody about having kids, I, I leave every single one of them like confused. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So should I do it? Because you seem kind of mad, but also like happy, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And that's exactly right. <laughs> totally. I've always been confused about this topic. Oh, I thought you were talking about your own thing. No. I was like, what well, now I'm even more confused. I think I'm a bit of a different cat, right? I think like, you're odd. I'm odd. <laughs> and I don't, like, I was sitting, I went to the barbershop today, and, like, he was like, how was it, and all, how's it been going, and all this stuff, and he's like, you're by far the most positive person about this topic <laughs> that we've had in the chair. Like, he's like, every other new dad that comes in here is complaining, and you make the complaints sound, like, manageable, and the good parts sound really good. And that made me realize, I'm like, okay, that's, I have a, a bit more of a framework now because I don't know what everyone else is thinking. No one talks about this stuff. Right. And like Steven said, the ones that do just, they kind of sound confusing. They're like, it's the best and worst thing that's ever yeah, happened to you. Yay. It's like people always yeah. say moms and dads. So you don't really know what to make of it. I just think I'm the type of person who's honestly trained myself when I'm going to do something and it, or, and or something is going to happen to me. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of it. I'm going to choose. This is the part of my life. This is the only part of my life that I control is the meaning I prescribe to the events in my life, my perspective. And so I think this is at this point in my life become such an ingrained part of my own being that I am not quite aware of maybe objectively how most people feel about this. But for me, um, yeah, dude, we can talk about all the hard parts. The first four days, three days were absolutely brutal. I have like questions terribly about terribly questions brutal. about the birth. Yeah, so I've heard that there's like a just like disturbingly uh, large amount of people in the room during this process. That like you just get shocked by how many people are in the room, and then also how rough they treat the baby. Like when it comes out. Is that, did you see anything like, experience anything like that? Can you just like, walk like, us they, through, like, slap it and can you walk us through the whole, like, like, what was the whole birthing experience like? It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, your only reference point is, like, movies, you know? Which there are none. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, you see the moment of birth in, like, so many movies. <laughs> and it's just, like, the, the chick is there and 
all of a sudden she's screaming and pushing and then boom, baby. Right. <laughs> so like, I don't know. In my head, I imagined this whole thing was like labor starts and it gets really intense and it's over in like 30 minutes. And there's like 10 minutes of hardcore pushing. Dude, the pushing part is ours. Oh. Like just the part where they're sitting and pushing. It can be for a new mom, first birth, it can be anywhere from one hour to six hours. I wonder how many calories Erica burned. It's a serious workout. Yeah. I was the leg guy. I had the right leg holding the leg. Oh, oh yeah. Damn. Did you trust yourself? No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't trust myself. Like, can somebody else be leg guy? No, was, but they force you to do it. They're just Wait, like, there's no options. You guys remember when you're like going through driving school and they show you this movie, Red Asphalt, of like yeah, how serious it is to get in a car crash? Was there any kind of training for that for the baby? Like, oh watch God. this VHS yeah. and it'll tell you how real it is. Look to prepare how bad you. you can be on right leg <laughs> duty. Yeah. I think a lot of people do prepare. I don't for things. Wow. I just, you guys didn't watch that uh, video in high school. It was like the miracle of life or something. Yeah. Oh no. Did I miss that one? It, yeah. I, I remember we had a sub in biology, like my whole year, which is why I don't know anything about biology. So that we had, we just like watched movies the whole time. And I guess one day they were like, well, this is relevant to biology. So they kind of used to have, you know, that the big TV and they'd wheel it in oh, on like the that, cart. Yeah. Once that moment hits, you're like, this is going to be nice. <laughs> Turn the lights <laughs> off. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I, it was, it, it was the most traumatizing thing I'd ever seen. I'm pretty sure Where one they kid literally like a, threw up. They showed, they showed like a delivery. Yeah. 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 It's, um, but even I think if I saw it on, you know, some YouTube or something like that. I still don't think anything, anything can prepare you for that moment. Like you're watching your woman do this and you're um, kind of worthless, right? Like you just can't really do much. You, you're definitely like worthless, but you're going through your own thing. Like she's not going through the emotional thing you're going through. She's going through, if she's got an epidural, which my wife did, she was like, I'm definitely getting an epidural. Um, She's going through a workout, as you said. Like, it is a serious, you know, hardcore amount of pushing for hours straight, right? I think our, ours was, like, almost two hours, right? And you're going through this, like, emotional thing where you're watching. I can't, even if I put the words <laughs> to it, you're watching the head of your baby coming out of your wife's vagina. <laughs> slowly but surely and every single like centimeter of pushing is like a profound step toward this direction and this moment of like my baby is about to be born and come out like in this moment and i don't know is it gonna be this next push is it gonna be and like you don't know and you don't realize so what i learned is like it takes a lot longer than you realize but then what's happening is she's just sitting there in labor for hours and hours and hours right then eventually it's like, okay, you're dilated enough to start pushing. Once that pushing process begins, they allow you to kind of push on your own with like the help of a nurse. Once a certain amount of pushing occurs and it like basically passes this like the, a certain part of the cervix where it's like the head is like basically like ready. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, like you said, a ton of people just enter. The like room. how many are we talking? Like, like 10? Like six, seven. Okay. okay. And they're all there. They start setting up. And then we had an amazing doctor. This guy, Dr. Harvey, was just like unbelievable. He gave Harvey. me so much. <laughs> <laughs> this guy gave me so much. He's like, I, I don't know, me, like the hardest part for me has not been like after she was born. It was before. 
Like I had a lot of nervousness and anxiety going into this, like, like just praying for healthy mom, healthy baby, healthy mom, healthy baby. And it's like this constant thought. And, and again, men don't talk about their emotions. So I don't know how common this is. My level of anxiety around this was extremely high. It was very difficult. I mean, the day of the birth, I was sitting in the hospital with my like journal, with my remarkable, you know, six pages, man, like trying to process this. Why am I in so much fear right now? Like what's going on? Like, I, I mean, I'm literally having thoughts that like, I'm going to lose one of them. So you're talking about the, like, the, that's where I was the at. two hour pushing process. Like when the, when the baby's head gets through, is that like sort of like, okay, we're good. Or is it like the shoulders have to get through? Yeah. Or? This is also, what I, did. <laughs> I, I thought this is what I imagined. I thought the head would get through and then it would just be <laughs> sitting there like this choked, like trapped. And then now we <laughs> have to get the shoulders passed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God, like how like is a baby Rodney Dangerfield? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. No, so the part that is the hardest part is just getting that that head, like, the mostly head out. And the then that's when the doctors show up, and they start to help. And I don't want to get too overly graphic, but yeah. that's when they really start to help. And then once that the head is out, baby's out. Baby just comes out after that, at that point. Um, basically, yank her out, you know, once yeah. the head is out. And then it's just like, they ask, like, do you want to do skin to skin? And she was like, yes. So then immediately, um, it's just like, if everything's okay, it looks good, boom. Put Did it they right have to give Rumi like a slap on the back? There wasn't up? any of that. Okay. No, not not with Rumi. And then it was just like directly on her, you know, chest, skin to skin. I fucking fell to the floor. I literally fell to the floor, bawled my eyes out, <laughs> like uncontrollably. I've never experienced, I would put it up there with like a psychedelic experience. I've never experienced anything like the relief and, and, and like euphoria of that moment when she came out. You don't know what she's going to look like. You don't know anything. You don't know if she's going to be okay. You don't know if it's going to be a stillbirth. You don't know anything. So like there's all this fear, all this excitement, all at the same time. It's so overwhelming. It was for me. Um, I don't know. Some dads probably just stand there and go, okay, cool. She's here. You know, I don't know. <laughs> we did it. This is, this has been an interesting experience for me because as you know, like you and my other like best friend both decided to have a baby on the same exact day. Yeah. So it's interesting having you both say the same stuff to me. Oh yeah. Like he basically just said exactly what you just said there No way. to me as well. <laughs> yeah. So That's I'm, awesome. I'm like, huh, interesting. There's something to this baby stuff. I mean, he's just he's just texting me photos like you gotta get one. Like I can just like drive to the mall and pick one up. Wait, hold on. Have you? Um, if we can take the spotlight off you for a sec, like, have you thought about not having a baby due to just the sheer complications of it? Or, um, well, of course I've thought about not having a baby. Yeah, yeah. I guess like I'm asking the why question because like I think everyone can ask like can say like well maybe or maybe not but like i guess what i'm asking you is like why are you reluctant if you are if you are why why had you been reluctant in the past maybe is a better way to put it well i've never been in like a position to like have a child you know like i would prefer to be like married with like a woman who i've dated for a substantial amount of time and you know none of those boxes have ever been checked so that's like my first obstacle like 
There is a general reluctance, though, that a lot of men have, right? Well, like, that's, that's that I had. I know. I mean, a that's lot the thing I really have. want to talk about. Yeah. Because I feel like you didn't always want to have a kid, right. right? And when I was younger, like I definitely did not want to have a kid, like at all. So I'm curious what your sort of journey looked like. There, like, when did you decide that you did want to have one? I guess was it like a light switch moment? Or has this just been like a slow, gradual kind of like, yeah, what the hell, I'll do it? Yeah, I mean, this was a really good conversation. We we had, you know, off, uh, off, what do you call that? Off air or whatever. Um, it was a magical conversation. Yeah, it was want, really good. And I want the listeners to to capture this it's, alpha. It's really tough, right? Like I, I've spent, I think, a lot of us, well, first of all, I think what you said, Stephen, is, is fundamentally correct for both men and women. Like it's very difficult to imagine yourself having a child if, you don't feel comfortable and in the right time in the right place the right person to even imagine it it's like i find commonly a lot of women will say well no i don't really want kids but you know deep down that what they're really saying is that well if i had that person and if i if i was in that fortunate position and opportunity to have that at that point i would consider it and i've been in that position too but in a different way where i had the person I met her 11 years ago, but the timing felt wrong for me. Like one of the things I told you is like, man, I feel like I could have been, I could have waited a long time. I've waited already a long time. And I could have been like 50 years old. Like no problem. I have plenty of things that I still want to do. Um, the travel, the, the, the focus on the self of all these things that I want to do. Then once I got married and started settling into the relationship and thinking about these things, it started to dawn on me. I was like, what is it really that I think is going to be taken away from me by doing this? And um, where the conversation with us got really interesting is what I've been realizing lately is, again, I have to preface this whole conversation with, um, it's also a delicate topic. Not everyone can you know, and I, my heart goes out to some people like, like, like I have family members and people that have tried and they've had to get to that point where they're like, yeah, we just can't. So I'm like, I fundamentally like feel that deep down, but this is for those that want to and are hesitant about it. What I realized is all of the delay was simply a delay that I was uh, placing onto myself to prevent my own maturity. Everything about not wanting to have a kid for me comes down to being self-serving. I want to do more. I want to see more. I want to experience more before having this baby. And what I've learned once I've recognized, and it did happen slowly but surely, like just having these moments of like, would it be so bad? Is it so bad? Is it really going to destroy my life? Is it really going to take my freedom away? Is it really going to make it so that I don't can't do anything anymore? And the more I started going toward that, I went completely the other direction where I was like, man, actually, those people that did it young maybe did it right. Like, why be an old ass dad? Like, why not do it early in life and then be like 55 and you're like, kids are already out of the house or whatever. And, you know, 50 years old and you're like young and playing and doing all these things. So I wasn't having regret but I was looking at the young friends that we, the friends that we have that were young when they had their kids. And I'm like, man, your kids are already fucking 10 years old. Like something like that. Like my kids just now being born and they seem so much more stable, mature. I just think I've been in this world of like serving Armon, 
uh, my entrepreneurial dreams, my travel desires, my lifestyle, my money, my everything, and not wanting to make it about anything other than than me. And when you really look at it, I think it it enables not just a maturity, but like a process of individuation, this like integration of all these childish parts of yourselves or even these like shadow parts of yourselves that need to get integrated at some point. Like a, an extreme example of this person, I'm not this person, but like imagine if I was just like a single, you know, playboy fucking guy that was still at the clubs every night until my 40s and 50s. Like that person is, is avoiding something. And what is that really? And I started to look at that. And I think what I found is like, no, 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 there's like incredible opportunity and joy on the other side if I step into this like wholeheartedly. Didn't you say something to me uh, a while back that Jordan Peterson had an argument that like if a man reaches a certain age, say like 55, 60, 65, and they don't have a son or a daughter, they their personality kind of like starts to break in some way. Do you remember telling yeah. me something like that? I forget what yeah. it was. He said, I don't remember the part about the personality breaking, but what he what he I definitely know one of the things he said that really resonated with me. And again, it's like, if you choose not to is he was reflecting on people in, in, in their older age and they've continued down this path of like self-serving. And eventually they hit a point where they lack meaning. They lack this fundamentally important thing called family. And like this really exciting feeling that I've been having lately is this idea of like family I think of myself now as a family of four. I have my wife, I have my puppy, I have my baby. And like we say the word family all the time. Like it's something like between Erica and I that's become really important. And that family component in life is something that I've, I've never I've never had. But now that I have it, I'm just like, whoa, there's a deeply meaningful thing here that's that's possible. But yeah, Jordan Pearson was basically saying, what else is there in life? You're going to get old. There's You're going to do it all. You want to have a family around, ideally, when you're old, to enjoy these memories and moments and, and, and opportunities with. And I know, Eric, like you, you went through some stuff lately. And uh, if you want to share, share. If not, it's all good. But, you know, one of the things you shared is like the importance of family, the importance of having people around yeah. in your life. Yeah. And so grandma, I want that. Grandma was 99 years old. She just passed away like last Friday. And, uh, we were all there and it was a beautiful passing because we, uh, the entire family is around her. I think it, it, if any of we'll, we'll, we will all pass, right? Like, unless we're Brian Johnson's and we go <laughs> negative, <laughs> but like it, uh, maybe we will all pass one day. And that, that passing was beautiful because it, it was like, she lived a full life. Nothing was, uh, robbed, uh, in terms of life. And then she had all her family around. She was able to tell each and every one of us that she loved us and, like she told me, she's like, Eric, you're, you're like a good person. And, and like that meant so much to me. And it meant so much to her to be able to say it. And um, w what I realized was like, it, it, there wasn't like the friends around. It was like, it was the family around. It was the grandchildren. It was the grand, like the great grandchildren. It was like, it was the family that you're talking about. And like, then that became so apparent to me, like the importance of that, you know, like. So we, we've talked about the Harvard longitudinal study, the, the grand study. And I think we've placed a heavy emphasis and maybe I need to reread it again, but like it was a heavy emphasis on community and, and friendships. 
you know, but it, it probably uh, maybe underemphasized the, the family part a little bit. Cause like whenever we talk about it, maybe just cause we're friends and we reference the friends part about like, that is what determines uh, consistent quote unquote happiness throughout people's lives in every decade. People have like a community of people, close friends, you know, both, you know, in, in person, but maybe, maybe elsewhere, but like a community that they, um, you know, that, 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 that's what reinforces the happiness in their lives. Yeah, dude, no, I revisited that and I listened to two interviews. I might've sent them in one of our threads somewhere or put it somewhere with the, with one of the scientists involved with the project. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's definitely about family. It's not just about friends. Um, a core, core, core component of happiness is that. And it was Erica who sent me like a clip from like Instagram reels that sent me down the rabbit hole. Cause it was like, I was like, wait, I thought it was all about community and your friend group only. And it was, he was talking about, no, 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 it's, it's about family. Well, you know, in our, in our peer group, let's say just at us four, one of us is going to die last. Hmm. That's yeah, not going to be. No, we are all holding hands, <laughs> just jumping out of a plane together. <laughs> I, call, zero. I call Romeo. <laughs> I am Romeo. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned Brian Johnson, but I went down a whole like another David Sinclair like path, and and he uh, not to get too far off topic, but he does mention he's like, listen, if if you want to live longer, you need two things. You need to do these like health physical and mental things, but you also need friends and community to keep you alive. And if you don't have, he's like, if you, if you don't have both, you, you will not, you know, you won't see 120 or 150 with like a good health span component to it. So the scientist who hasn't, didn't do, he, he is at Harvard, but he didn't do the longitudinal study. He's just studying the, the cells and, and the, the biology of it. He still says like, that is a requirement of this whole formula. I feel like we're, I feel like we've been dropping the ball on this show in a way, right? This is supposed to be a show where we talk about. That checks out. Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> I get rich. I live a good life and everything. We've done like a hundred plus episodes of this show. And I feel like this might be the most important thing. I don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about it, which is kind of wild to, to think about, but it seems like it might be like the thing. And it's something I haven't optimized for at all in my life and that I'm slightly freaking out about at this point. Um, but it didn't seem important to me when I was younger and I, I definitely just didn't get it until like a point like Armand brought up earlier. Like I, I think a lot of people, I mean, I was one of them. You, you're like, Oh, I, I want to have a kid after I do all this other stuff and I'm like ready. And, and I don't think it's really occurred to me before that like, doing the family thing is the thing that just makes you into that person. Like you don't just live and become the person and then you do that. No, that's just, the, that's just a part of the, that's part of the process. That's like the, you know, you, you're sort of forged in that crucible. Um, and it never occurred to me before. And to your point, like I sometimes think like, I, I don't know, I had a great time in my twenties. I, I get, but like I, I traveled and drank a lot and did a lot of fun stuff, but I, I don't, I, I, some of it I could have probably not done, you know, totally. We were the, <laughs> I think you nailed it. We're certainly under, uh, well, not no more. We, we were underrepresented in terms of the, yeah, someone dad said and that family. on the discord today. Very underrepresented. Can you guys like, uh, kind of speak to the, to the <laughs> families and parents? We do more? have a lot of, there's a lot of, I forget yeah. like how many people are dads yeah. and moms yeah, and moms. moms. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, like when people are like, hey, I don't think I'm ready to start a business. I'm like, yeah, you'll never be ready. But I imagine you're going to give, give them that same advice. Like you won't be ready, but like the process is what forges well, you into that person. Well, maybe a better answer to that whole like you'll never be ready thing is like, um, no, this is exactly what a lot of people need in general in order to receive all the other things that they want, like you're saying, Stephen. Like this process of becoming a quote family man and placing any level of value and priority on money uh, on uh, on family in your life has been non-existent for me before you know the last year right all of a sudden when it is even a value at all i find that it's something akin to like the feeling when you first fall in love remember first falling in love with somebody everything gets better you're more productive, you're more active, you're in better shape, you're, you're happier. productive when you fall in love? Oh, dude, everything gets done because you want to get through the work, you want to get home, you want to have sex, you want to go on the dates, you want to do all the things. Like, being in love, your brain is on drugs. There's a, there's literally, your brain is on drugs. And it doesn't last forever because you eventually wean off that drug. It, 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 it is a, that's why we call it the honeymoon phase. And I think part, people don't mention that, that your brain is literally on drugs. Except the oxytocin. Exactly. The trick your brain plays on you to get you to have the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nice little survival this, mechanism. <laughs> but, but family causes a similar thing in that you take on a new level of responsibility and your priorities shift in such a way where you stop wasting time on things that are absolute nonsense and you begin to put your energy and focus toward things that are important not just for your own vanity or because they're fun or because you just want to drink and get obliterated and have a story the next day, but because it's actually good for you, your health span, your whatever it might be. I just think the whole thing makes everything else better in a way. If you have the right perspective. For a lot of people, if they go into this thing with a stressed out sort of scarcity-minded perspective, I can totally imagine it just crumbling, falling apart and being the guy in the chair at the barbershop who's just like, I can't do this. And I get that. I get that. But I think if you go into it with the right perspective, a lot of good things can, can come from it. Well, I'm not going to bury the lead. I want to ask the question right up front, but I, I, I want to give it a little context. Like, this is uh, so good, by the way. Th- Mezcal's amazing. Uh, so where, where I've thought about this and with you guys is like we have this idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we want to sort of like work our way up the pyramid. Like it seems to me in a way that there's like two, two things working sort of against each other with Maslow's here. It's like on, on the one hand, we have um, Maslow's hierarchy as, it, as it's like presented to us. But on the other hand, it's like you are living as a dad now. And I think your life has changed dramatically just within the next, the last seven days. Right. So like on the one hand, like what I ask myself is like one is, is like survival and procreation, like the, just the only thing that we should worry about, like at all, which is like not what Maslow talks about. But then when you like put it in Maslow's framework, you know, like you have, uh, survival and then you have like you know you work over the pyramid but then like you you can put a baby in that pyramid as well i think becoming a, a a family man becoming a father 
like can sort of be everywhere in the ascension of the pyramid too, you know, right? Like you, you're the father, not me, but like, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes where it's like, you know, like self-actualization might yeah. be, yeah. might be becoming a father or becoming a mother where you're like, Oh, now I have like my life's purpose. I mean, dude, I've already had, I've had, you know, guys know me. I have crazy thoughts all the time. Um, I've already had thoughts of like imagining myself on my own deathbed and like knowing now that I, and, and, and like, you know, pray to God, my daughter has a beautiful, long, healthy life that is far beyond mine. And like imagining that feeling of now knowing that I have like a future generation that lives off, lives on beyond me. It is the most incredible feeling. Like, it's an incredible, incredible Would you put it on feeling. that that part of the top of the pyramid, like the self-actualization part, maybe? Totally, totally. And I can just imagine the conversations we're going to have and the experiences we're going to share. And I get, I, I simultaneously am constantly so grounded in the present of every little thing she's doing, but switching gears to like imagining a conversation we're having when she's five, imagining a concert I take her to, in the future, imagining like the first sport she plays or the first like dance rehearsal that just all these things and like playing them out. And I think that like sort of feedback loop of like future present, future present is just like, it's so stabilizing. Like I'm watching myself create my future with the words and the expressions and the behaviors that I'm presenting in the moment. Well, can I ask you to Eric's point, do you also feel the survival part more now, now that you have a daughter? Like you're talking about the self-actualization part, yeah, but, but it, you, actually, are you also feeling like the survival like the part of the very strong? And top. Yeah, and I think I tend to like- Or the providing part, I, t- I, guess, I tend so. to focus a little too much on maybe the positive for people. So like, I think it's good to go there. Like, yeah, for sure. Like the difficult parts are like, I just needed enough money in my pocket. Then I needed enough money in my pocket and my wife's to take care of her, make sure we're stable. And now I need enough money to make sure that my child can have everything she wants. And I don't want that feeling of like never ending rug pull, brother. Yeah. <laughs> never ending rug pull. I don't want to ever feel the feeling of not being able to do something has always been my driving sort of motivation in life. Right. Like I want to just be able to say yes to everything. And so the security comes in in that place where it's like, yes, the level of security that I desire is the ability to say yes at all times. And that's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of money. So it creates a tremendous amount of pressure, but you know what? It creates a tremendous amount of focus as well. Yeah. Huge. I've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of dads kick it into gear. Or I've heard, actually, I take that back. I've heard it from the, the wife, the mother. Like, yeah, my husband just kicked it into gear, focused, like laser focused on time to provide, you know, whether that's like getting a new job, starting a company, whatever it is, just like a, a new sense of uh, purpose behind the, the money making. I, I have to say, thank God for the dopamine detox. Like I, I definitely went all in on it as well because knowing that I was about to have the baby and knowing that like my habits and my lifestyle were not a fit for this life that I'm about to like embark on. And so now being an early riser, going to the gym every single day, hitting the sauna, feeling good, taking care of me so that I can be the best I can be for my family, for my wife, for my baby is like a profound shift. There are many times, stressful day, everything goes wrong, come home, 
hey, I need time to myself. I have to kind of like reset before we do this or that. Now I come home, I'm just excited. I feel good because I've already done the good things for myself that day. And regardless of how some work meetings go or whatever, I leave them now and I've created that. You know, now we have the office. I separate that shit and I leave it there and I come home, I'm like, I'm good. So I needed that reset away from all the the dopamine and the bad habits to be able to do a good job at this. Well, I, uh, I admire you for it because I've seen uh, dads who are a little further along than you. Uh, got a best bud, business partner, who has a, a three-year-old going on four um, and a newborn. And man, I was over at his place uh, last week to have dinner and I was just like in full admiration of like patience, energy, like but also like pure like focus on on his daughter and whatever it needed, knowing he was hungry, tired, stressed, like all of that. He was entertaining guests at the same time. I mean, I was tired watching him hang out with his daughter for two hours. I was exhausted after those two hours, just like watching him go through that, but also like pure admiration. I mean, uh, I knew he had patience because, uh, you know, he, he was my business partner, but mm. but like I see it with kids, I was like, wow. Well, he's a G. Yeah. This does remind me of something really important. You guys have all heard like in psychology, when a person is going through a difficult time, just generally, that one of the best things they can do is serve others and get out of their own head. I think one of the reasons that having children can make you feel better about everything is that. Like the person you're describing, he doesn't have time to sit and whine about his life. He doesn't have time to think about that. And he's not too worried about how tired or hungry he is or whatever. But guess what? If he didn't have those kids and he didn't have that family, what would he be doing? What was I doing sometimes? Oh my God, I haven't fucking eaten today. I haven't done anything today. I haven't wah, wah, wah. I was the fucking baby, <laughs> right? Seriously, let me be honest here. I have so many moments of being a baby. <laughs> Woe is me. Not all the time, but sometimes in those little moments of weakness are now completely replaced by, nope, I'm here to serve this family to make sure they're good. And then all of a sudden, you you're, you feel mentally, emotionally, and physically healthier. It's you, true, right? Do you, do you feel like the culture today is like kind of anti-family and anti Oh, I was going to bring that up. Like, I got multiple friends our yeah. age who are... This seems to fall in two arguments. Like one is, I don't think it's fair to bring a child into this world as it is, as in like it's not a great place to bring a human being into the world is one aspect. And the other is just kind of like in the, you just probably followed in the section you mentioned, which is kind of selfish. And I also have a, a close neighbor. Um, they're, I don't know what how old they are, maybe like late 50s, 60s, somewhere around there. And they haven't had kids and they're living their lives. And um, so I've seen towards the end and and they, they are certainly very much happy they look great for their age they're probably a lot wealthier like oh yeah their relationship is great they're, they have a ton of fun they're still having a lot of fun travel everything um but i i, I have noticed i've talked to them they're like we moved into a condo building to have a little more community like they're very uh proactive about making friends like hey do you want to go to dinner do you want to do this where are you going to watch super bowl you know, like, because they have to be proactive about building that community right. around them when maybe you don't have, like, you know, a family underneath you to kind of be that, uh, you know, fill that social gap. So I don't know. I, I, I definitely think it's, I mean, you can see in the stats, right? Like, 
yeah. households it's are there. having I mean, less I'm babies. Just, I'm just wondering. I, I feel like it's there. Just wondering if everybody Yeah, I mean, you pointed that same. out to me privately, Stephen. You're like, you you are a bit of like this, uh, that that I am this bit of like person who's trying to like maintain certain like cultural, uh, societal like traditions at times that I think are really like healthy and good for the world. And that's like, if I was going to be conservative, like those are the areas that I tend to be conservative. Cause I think that there's deep, deep value in tradition, uh, in a lot of traditions, not all of them, but I don't want to obliterate the world and hit the reset button. Like a lot of people do. Um, cause I think that's, that's just, we've already seen what that looks like. Um, and that's why I really don't like that argument, that first argument that people have of like, this is a terrible time. Oh, I hate that argument. I hate that argument. It's the best time what, in the, the best history time of human beings ever to bring ever. humans in the world. Let me just, let's just use United one example. States. Let's use one example. Like the, yeah. mo- the worst example, the delivery process of a baby. Do you know how much better it is today than it used to be 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 300 yeah, you, years ago? You, you died. Do you know what the infant mortality rate was? It was a lot. Do you know what, do you know how many moms were dying and going and having like emergency surgeries <laughs> that affected them for the rest of their lives? I mean, it's a stupid argument. We shouldn't even go in. Yeah, that's not, I, I don't go. like that argument. I like yeah. the abundance argument. Um, from from a psychology perspective, just to switch gears, um, that's where I think things are really interesting and I'm to switch gears to you, Stephen. You uh, you had an experience the other day I really want to catch up on. Um, here when it comes to the self, the, the exploration of the self. Oh, you just, you just want to... Just, I'm switching. You just want I'm to drive to. off the road? Yeah. <laughs> we going. haven't talked about this. Oh, that was a nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a 9 out of 10 segue. Uh, it just pointed at you. So. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, want, you, want, you want us to set the stage here? Well, I should be referring to the so thing... You I, mentioned this in, in, in the last episode, right? You... I mentioned it in the money pod. You did a and, yeah, exploration, therapeutic, uh, therapeutic psychedelics sort of. Uh, what drugs session. did you take? Did a MDMA and ketamine. Whoa! This, I thought it was gonna be DMT. Or is that the same? I might do DMT. Yeah, keep your next. options open. My was this wait? Was this? But like, <laughs> you said DMT, so was this like a choose your own adventure once you showed up? Or I feel like this would be like pre-planned. It was there were there or was did you a, forget? there was back and forth for well, he many needs a, weeks. He needs okay. a lot of about help. This. Let's just, let's start at the basics. I, I want to ask you beforehand: like, are you uh, Lube look, up. are you looking for like a specific outcome, or is this a a broad therapy type of uh, session? Well, I've spent a lot of time in therapy, and I always hit like roadblocks. Like, I feel like I get a new therapist; they unlock something that's insightful very, very quickly. But then I just like hit a wall and I sort of know everything that they're going to say. And I'm just a person who wants to solve things. Right. And no therapist actually want to solve your, like, well, I don't, I don't want to tell you how to, I'm like kind of a framework, anything. And it's always like, no. (laughs) And it's, it's infuriating to me. Dude, (laughs) dude, did you ever see Jonah Hill's uh, therapy special on Netflix? No, but I did see that Dude, it it's exists. So good, is I'm it? Curious. It's so good. You guys have to right. watch it. All right. I did see that it exists. Yeah. Same. No, no, no. <laughs> you guys have to watch it. Get through the first. There's like a nice little turn surprise about halfway through as well that you would not expect. But one of the things, the reason I bring it up is the therapist says he's like, "You're paying the person to like solve your problems, and they just refuse to do it." 
Like that's what you really want. You want answers and the therapist refuses to give them. So he has a bit of a different approach, the therapist. Anyway, yeah. Continue. So you hit these, so these moments where you want these answers, you're not getting them. Yeah, so that part's infuriating to me. The other part of th- like therapy to me is oh, it's like very like emotionally focused all the time. It's like how are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? What is it? And and I'm just like I have no fucking idea. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't like there's this sort of like a priori like assumption that you can like feel things right and if you can't then the whole process is like useless like i felt like i had a lot of problems that were just like like in me in a way like i'm trying to use my thinking brain to access them in a particular way and it just like wasn't working and i've done psychedelics and i've, I've done MDMA before in a very non-therapeutic settings. Um, <laughs> was this your first therapeutic session with psychedelics? Yes. Awesome. Yes. So I have like an appreciation for the drugs and like what they can do to you. And like, I, I like, I am very interested in myself on these substances because it's like nothing like who I am normally. Like I am just, I'm very like painfully closed off. Like it just like it, I can't like share. Th- I literally physically can't. Like people ask me something, and like I've been asking I you for can't. years, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> <laughs> to give to give Steven some props, the difference between two years ago and now, when you ask him a question, is night and day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should, night and day. You should see me like fifteen years ago. You would literally just look at me when I asked a question and just. <laughs> Like basically, or just move on. I refuse yeah. to answer. Yeah, I just like I don't <laughs> under, you, your your favorite line that you didn't say out loud, which is from Arrested Development. Yeah. I refuse to answer the question. I don't understand the question, and I refuse, I refuse to, to respond. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you gave that. Uh, no, he deserves props. Yeah, he does. You've come a long way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I like figuring things out, as right. you know, and myself is like one of the puzzles I haven't quite cracked yet so this is like a never-ending uh thing for me um okay so dive into it how did it go got some salt stuck in my teeth here i would also like <laughs> to hear a, a visual of like what you walk in like are you in a yeah uh, tell a doctor's office Give us a like, story a home uh, no it's like a like a townhome in the middle of an apartment complex okay. like in, in in del mar you know so it's just a very she's a local normal shaman. she's a local shaman that's what i'm saying yeah yeah, but it would walk in. Is it like a shaman's house or is it like a normal person's house? It's like a normal person's house. Okay, there's some woo-woo stuff around a little bit. Like there's certainly like a vibe that things might be happening. It's good. It's here. relaxing. Yeah, but it's like cool. no, it's not like I walked in and there was just like a, a bed of roses and, a, yeah. <laughs> and like incense and okay. music and stuff. That wasn't at, that wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. She just like sat me down and just. Take these. Which which one did you? What did you start with? MDMA. Okay. Had like a little. Which has incredible literature behind it. Like the two that you did, have like great great science backing results across PTSD, anxiety, depression, just general knowledge of the self, like everything. Like those are those are two great sort of tools these days. And by the way, a lot of people in our Discord and in the community in general because we've talked about psychedelics, have gone on explorations of their own and have found, reached out to me personally in the DMs, sharing their results, sharing their journey, finding 
therapists and therapeutic settings, both above ground and underground to do these types of things with. So like, yeah, I guess like major shout out to people for going on these explorations and obviously use these tools wisely, but this is really important stuff. Yeah. And she took everything very, she had like a whole slew of like vitamins and electrolytes. I probably drank like eight gallons of water. I was in the bathroom like 20 times, like just up a flight of stairs and I almost fell many times. Um, but fortunately I didn't, uh, yeah, the worst part for me was when I realized that that trade that I fucked up like two hours into it, right? As <laughs> it it, totally hold on, ruined. you thought about the trade while you're in the middle of the therapy session? Well, it was, I was like an hour and a half in, so you weren't it was maybe out. just like starting to wash over me and I was like, oh fuck. But then I was kind of like, uh, who cares? Okay. Which is bad because I easily could have just made a phone call and been like, hi, I need to teach you how to use a Deribit account really quickly. And <laughs> yeah, like, please get me the fuck out of this, which would have been great because that would have saved me a tremendous um, uh, amount of money. But uh, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, so talk to me about the guidance. What was the process? Was she taking notes? Was she asking questions? Was she leaving you alone, playing music? What was I was lying on? on the ground in a nice, uh, like, warm blanket. Mm. Uh, on pillows, like a blindfold. Mm. And she was just sort of like sitting next to me with music playing. And she's just like asking me questions and writing notes. Um, and just kind of going all over the place. Mm. Um, it's just very fascinating to me how you can like take this pill and like suddenly you can just talk about anything. You don't feel any... You don't have to share what came up. I would like you to. But can you share what, like, the feeling of what came up or the, or the, or the, give me the, give me the, like, did things come up that you didn't talk about before or know were there or experienced before? Like, did it bring up new things for you? It did in a way. Um, so first of all, I think she slightly underdosed me. Mm. On the MDMA because I told her that I weighed 170 and apparently I weigh 195 pounds now. Um, Our boy's a tank. Our boy's a tank. And first of all, it's not about the weight. Somehow, like, Stephen and I are the same weight. <laughs> not only that, he's like, this, Probably this is a guy who can handle his MDMA. <laughs> Which is the thing I found out after. She's like, oh, you told me that. And I was like, yeah, I did. I no recollection of this. Obviously, it was like a, a thing I filled out on a form yeah, like yeah, two months yeah. ago, right? So never occurred to me like, oh, I should go tell her that I'm actually large. Um. <laughs> <laughs> your your text to us, by the way, side note was hilarious. You're like, guys, I just weighed on a scale. It's first time in a year, and I'm 195. Like, am I? What happened to am last year? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And I was asking everybody Rec- I knew if I was rectum fat is for apparently like 250 pounds. I learned that today. Yeah, but he's like sport. six seven, like six he- two. <laughs> Six two. He's got his thighs quads like, were six two. <laughs> yeah, all quads. For real, for real. Mm. All right, keep going. I want to hear. Um, no, it's interesting. Like, it's it's just interesting to be able to just talk. Like, normally my therapist like asks me a question and I go like, and like it. It takes me like forty five minutes to answer one question, and, mm. and sometimes I still dodge it, even though I know I shouldn't dodge it, but I I just dodge it. But I, I was able, I like everything she asked me. I would just say, so you were more just, open. Yeah, and if I, even if I said something that was kind of weird or traumatizing or something, I would just look at it, and be like, "Huh, 
how about that? And then you just sort of like move on. Like you don't, there's like no judgment or anything and you kind of go through stuff. And so. you have not been able to do that outside of the setting. So no. this is big. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done it before when I've been sure. on, you know, not not exactly the most eloquent classification, but like MDMA is a heart opener, right? Like ultimately that's what it's doing here. Is it, and then, and then ketamine is disassociative. So, you're able to observe things in a new way. And that combination is really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild because I was there for eight hours. Whoa. Yeah, but like it felt, it probably felt like 45 minutes, the whole thing. Um, crazy how much it went back. I mean, I have a whole slew of notes that I'm still digesting and stuff. And uh, yeah, I got some interesting perspectives on things i think from the the mdma it, it's the type of thing i feel like i have to do like more times like i feel like i have to mm -hmm. go back and dig but into can, something can i more. ask you did, did did the things you got were they <clears throat> from you answering her questions or her helping you come to conclusions like was it her kind of summarizing synthesizing or was it just it was her facilitating by asking both. questions it okay. was both like she actually said a cup like there are two or three things she said to me that were actually like extremely insightful where i was like huh yeah and like i had ne I never thought of it before in that way like there there are definitely things that i was like i had like a lot of pain or resentment about and she said like one thing and it just flipped it or it's just like oh all right well when you put it that way and then like some of that sort of washed away a little bit, you know, um, but I don't. It's not like a magic thing where you go go like one time for a few hours and yeah. then like you're 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 magically better and everything's gone. But it, it's like super interesting. I mean, the the ketamine part of it was actually like the most interesting part to me, hmm. which I didn't even think of. Like I've done ketamine before and I never I never really particularly enjoyed it. To be quite frank, right. I was just like I feel weird. And I'm just going to sit on this couch <laughs> <laughs> and watch my friends do air squats because that's what they're doing for some reason. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy how many people do ketamine recreationally now. Like, it's wild. It's become sort of like the yeah. drug du jour. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The ketamine part was super trippy. Like, I, I still had, like, the blindfold on. And she's like, what do you want to play? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, so I had her just, like, play, like, some Chopin. Um, and it was like really interesting. Like I've, it, the visuals were kind of crazy. Like with the, the, like the mask on, you almost start like hallucinating a little bit. Like I felt like there was like a, almost like a chapel seal, like a dark chapel ceiling that I, like, I felt like I had all this depth, right? Like it looked like there was like a ceiling, like a hundred feet away from me and the kind of like vague colors and stuff. Um, but the experience of the music was like so wild. Like I had never heard music like that before. The depth. It was so deep. Like yeah. you know, you the could depth hear is crazy. You could hear like all of the like all you felt like everything. It felt like you were just like one with like the composer mm. in a way. And yeah, there's just some songs I've heard like a million times, some songs that I played, so I've heard them literally like even that times. by itself can be like worth the whole experience because someone would say like well what's the insight there 
And I would say the insight is to understand the depth of experience of like music and life and like what's created by human beings. Like that in and of itself is very healing. Yeah. Very. Sometimes just the felt experience, like having felt it and then being able to take it with you wherever you are to drop back in it. That's, that's the hack sometimes. It's like, you don't have to like trick your brain into thinking something uh to then feel that moment. You just have this memory of like what it felt like in your stomach and what was there a temperature? Was there a color to it? Did it like move in waves and like, how did it feel? And then you just have that feeling and then you could kind of take it with you, you know, in, in different places. So yeah, yeah you're right. It doesn't have to be like a logical insight. I mean, the very last, no. well, not the last thought, but basically like at the, when I was like completely peaking, is this the Chopin song that like I've, I've played and it's heard a million times. It's called like Fantasy Impromptu. And it's like a very like, it's a very interesting song and I didn't realize how interesting it was until I, you know, listened to it like this, but it's like, it's like frantic and flowy and beautiful. And it's got like, it's like chaos and it's got like a, all these parts to it. Like it's actually really like quite the journey. And that one like really took me to like outer space. Like I suddenly was listening to that song and, and I felt like I was just like, on like and like it was like I was like one with some breeze of wind that was just blowing through like all of these scenes and up and down and I like I felt like the whole thing just absolutely washed away like washed like over my body I felt like I could like knew exactly what he was writing about and I saw the things he (laughs) saw when he wrote it and it was super gnarly and and then like the craziest part was that like I just like I just I got so like overwhelmed with emotion. I just started like completely sobbing. I felt like, um, I felt like I had this just like insane, like release of just like stored something is all that came out, which is good. Cause that's kind of was why I wanted to really go. I didn't really want to go there to get like an answer to like a, some cognitive question. Like I felt like I had stuff like, stuck in me and i kind of thought these drugs can like get Mm -hmm. it out and like yeah like i i felt like i got it out and like when it was all done like i felt like like a thousand pounds lighter well not that i weigh that much but um, (laughs) but i felt yeah i felt so light and and i obviously i went home after and like you know the stress of the work stuff kind of wiped a lot of it away unfortunately but like even so after like i feel lighter in a way like i feel like i have more stuff but i feel like i like swept away like maybe 25 percent of it or something and i mean it could be like a, over out. a decade worth of uh that's, pent up that's incredible yeah yeah that's it's a it's, huge outcome and yeah. it's, it's, it's such a, like a fascinating i mean i've i've known this for a, a while right because like i have done like a lot of therapy and one of the therapies i went to that was like really interesting for me was something called like eft which is mm. like very focused on the idea that like instead of like thinking stuff through, it tries to get you to like feel physical experiences in a way. And like, we're like, there's, Release them. Yeah. yeah, there's this idea that like, there is like f- trauma stored in you. And like, it's like energy that is yeah. like kind of, I fully believe comes that. into the body fully. And then it's never like actually expelled. And so if it you've just ever gotten like you. a knot out, you know that it's that like literally knots in the body, pain in the body, even a lot of chronic pain, chronic disease. There's no reason for chronic disease to exist, like well, at all. That uh, so so Emma Emma linked a podcast in the Discord about it was about like talk about men and everything, um, and it was super interesting. But they talked a lot about this. Like they talked about how women have like extremely high levels of autoimmune disease. Yes, 
and it's he's he was saying like well it's because women are stuffing all this stuff down because they're putting all these other people before them and they're just like and that that is like actually manifesting in physical um illness in them and he, he, drew, he drew this analogy to like the like the immune system and like the what it does and ver- basically what what like your, your your brain is doing in these scenarios and he's like it's 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 like it's this, he's like actually it's like the same function and the way he said it is much more eloquent than what i'm saying but he said that i was like oh my god and this deficiency here in the brain is causing the same deficiency in the autoimmune system which is basically like the, but he's like they're one in the same so of yeah. course like that's breaking down in people and he had this whole spiel about how all these physical ailments are the result of what we would think of as like mental or like emotional mm-hmm. stuff and it's 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 a really it's a really interesting thought but like you know this happens with um people with PTSD mm-hmm. right like yeah like like EFT like I can't remember the guy who created it but he's a really interesting book um I forget the name of it but like he talks about how in the wild um you'll see like a gazelle being chased by a lion and the gazelle will get caught by the lion at the very last second it'll sort of just like freeze up and just basically turn into a board and it's like it's like sort of part like last ditch effort to survive like maybe the thing thinks you're dead but also just like a self-preservation like thing to just you know just shoot you up with whatever so that you don't experience that horror right but he talks about how like sometimes like that it actually works and once in a while like a lion will actually just like walk away and then the, the gazelle will like lay there for a little bit and then he said, what you always see is that it'll start like twitching and it'll get up and you'll see it like violently like shaking, like this just physical release of like all this energy. And then it just walks on and goes about its life like nothing happened. And he said like PTSD is like this process of being that gazelle and like freezing up all that. But then that energy never we never release it just the way we live our lives, the way it, it just stays stuck in there. And that kind of keeps like kind of coming back at people. So the whole therapy is, isn't really, it's not focused on getting people to think and it's getting them to feel this, to relive that right. and to like actually physically release it, which is, and, and people have been cured by it. And I, I think it's super interesting. And I think it's super interesting how like these, these drugs kind of play a role in, in Dude, doing that. I'm going to buy the shit out of the first public company or whatever, a private company, if I can invest in um, that, that really pushes psychedelic therapy. And, and, and this medicine, I'm so bullish on this stuff. It's crazy. It's going to help. So, it has helped so many people. It's yeah. wild. Uh, and psilocybin's next. You know, MDMA is there. Psilocybin's next. Um, and ketamine is still like kind of underground, but very promising results all around from all this stuff. Yeah, we're so early innings on this. I was thinking like how sad it is that this is like my therapist's idea. But she's like, well, I obviously can't do this. But I was like, it's so sad that I have to, I'm going like underground to this lady's house who's obviously not a doctor. You can't be a doctor and you lose your license and all that. Um, And to see like how powerful this is and like how it can help people so much. It's just like we are, we're still basically in the stone ages with this stuff. Like we are very early innings and it's like sad that we we have such powerful tools. We we kind of have gone full circle and hopefully we're, we're now going past like we were, we got pretty far in the '60s, then shut down. Speaking of um, pain, though, in the body and everything, Nick, I don't know if you ever remember me complaining about neck pain. Mm-hmm. You do, mm-hmm. dude. 
I had chronic neck pain for like almost seven years. And it would flare up where it would become like an eight or nine out of 10. Like really, really debilitating and bad. I discovered this guy, Dr. John Sarno, um, who focuses on on back pain. Back, neck, but it also, also correlates to people that get like a lot of uh, stomach issues. Um, what do you call like irritable bowel syndrome? But in particular, there is a huge amount of people in the United States, in the world in general, he was an American doctor, that get back pain. And no matter what they do, especially in the lower back, no matter what they do, the doctors they visit in Western medicine, they can't get to an answer. And then they often go and they get some kind of MRI or X-ray and they're like, you know, uh, that disc and that disc look a little funky. Uh, there's a bit of a pinched nerve there. Let's do surgery. They go and they do surgery and they still can't get to the bottom of it. And I remember I had this like chronic neck pain and I went and dude, I would have moments where I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to solve this. I got MRIs. I got physical therapy. There was nothing there. And, um, I won't like give his whole, you know, I won't spoiler alert it because I think that part of, if you are out there and you have pain and if any of you guys do check out his book because it's incredible. And one of the things he has you do is go through this process to uncover the answer to your pain. And the answer to your pain is not what you think it is at all whatsoever. And it's very, very related to this idea of what the mind can do. It's, it's very correlated. It's very a part of this whole idea of like mind-body medicine, but not in a woo-woo way. He's a Western medicine doctor who performs incredible. He actually passed away a couple of years ago, like late, early 90s, I think. Um, but he solved back pain, neck pain. Oh, also TMJ is, is, is part of this. People that get like that jaw pain. Cured all these people. And me, I don't get any neck pain anymore. And I had it chronically for seven years. But after I went through his process, it's it's gone. Process. Well, I like that open loop, actually. Well, it's an open loop. Oh, okay. It's oh, an open wow. loop because... It's so unsatisfying. All right. Well, I'll tell you, because when I discovered the answer, um, actually, what I'll do is he had a DVD. He had a DVD. And what I did is I took that DVD and I burned it. And I put it on YouTube, but then when I put it on YouTube, it just kept getting banned because it was licensed content or copyrighted content. So what I did is I made it um, unlisted on a personal account. So what I'll do is I'll share that link in the Discord. I watched that hour and a half intro video that is so corny. I think it was shot in the 80s. I couldn't get through the first 10 oh, minutes. I love those. 80s they're the, they're literally imagine like an 80s infomercial. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like walking you through your problem or whatever. But I got like 45 minutes through and I realized that what he said was correct. And then all of a sudden, the pain just started dissipating. Not for good, but the pain started dissipating. And then I went through the homework of what he provides to do and it, it solved it. Yeah. So if you have, if you know, I know a lot of people. I want some neck pain. I have given, <laughs> I, I just want to be clear. I have given this to, I think, seven or eight people that had severe pain in their lives, chronic pain, and they solved it with this video. I think six out of seven or seven out of eight solved it with this video. Anyway, the fellow was important alpha uh, to share.
And they can All right, Stephen. So the, uh, find this in the Discord. Huh? Yeah, I'll pop it in. So <laughs> it's funny when you share stuff. You made it sound like this thing was like a two out of ten experience, but it sounds pretty profound to me. Really? Mm-hmm. I made it sound like it was a two out of ten. No, you just weren't like it's just guys, your presentation. I can't wait to tell you. You just kind of like I kind of like it because you kind of pulled us in. It was like, come on, give me more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked uh, it. Am I ever like that? Where you really <laughs> hype something up like I do? I don't know. No. You just told me you have some <laughs> really I like good. I, I feel like I undersell most everything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm. Do I oversell or? I don't right like. Uh, I don't like like letting people down. You know. Yeah. I always like to. Well, when I walked I like in, you that. did say he has some good charts ready for Friday. Oh, I do have a good chart okay. for Friday. Yeah. Right. Great chart. <laughs> Tune in YouTube live nine thirty Pacific. If we can, if we can figure it out this week, yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna throw the we're gonna play the baby card for last week. We get yeah. to play that once. You blamed my baby for this? Of course I did. <laughs> How? Yeah, it, it, it was the proxi- if it makes sense it was for the, Steven, it, it was the proximate cause. <laughs> Pretty causal. I mean, that's as that's as classic Stephen as it gets. So, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Looking forward to Steven. Friday. All right, so Daddy Armand, Techno King, will be there on Friday to make sure we go live. Got it. Is that really what we're saying here? Podcast. <laughs> you are going to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. I do right, feel like cool. we can do it with you there. Okay. <laughs> I do feel like we got this now. Okay. Okay. No, it'll be great. Um, yeah. Any closing thought, topic, anything? Question. Anyone got any bets up? for the Super Bowl? Ooh, that's a good topic to close with. Oh, um, I saw a bet on uh, Bovada that said, will head coach Andy Reid get doused with barbecue sauce if the Kansas City Chiefs win? Oh, what kind of odds? No, you get you get a lot. You get plus a lot if if he does like over two hundred. You know? How about if Andy Reid um, eats a cheeseburger during the no. Super Bowl broadcast? <laughs> no, that's not that's not one. Is it? <laughs> I mean, there, there's a couple of good ones. I mean, you have the traditional fare, which is like the uh, the national anthem. You know, like time. Yeah, over national anthem time is that's a that's a traditional. It's a nail biter. Who had the better regular season record? Uh, I believe the Eagles did, and they're favored. They are favored. Yeah, I was going to say the Eagles just because. I was going to like throw out my own. They, uh, my own is like um, so in last year role. If you guys remember, we were watching together. I believe Music Box. Oh yeah, Wait, the we greatest were, we were halftime. I don't think I was show there. Uh, of all time. there. Armand and I we were. I was, at, greatest my, I was at my brother's wedding. Okay, so we'll be there again. Music Box. We'll oh, that was there. the Snoop thing. Yeah, well, we were like, incredible. oh, this is so sick. Why haven't they always been like this? It's always stuff for the old people. And then we realized yeah. that yeah. we were so the there's old like people. Rih- there's yeah. Rihanna's outfit and stuff that, that's traditional as well. But like, um, I think I want to throw out one of my own. Okay. Will there be a single crypto commercial in this? We already world? know. The we answer, already know. The answer is no. Zero dollars Zero. spent. Zero. Zero. Yeah. It's and Because uh, last year was FTX, so Coinbase, Crypto.com, etc. I think so funny. Fox Fortune just said the brave. Fortune oh, did favor the brave at that it, moment. It, spoiler alert, it does not. It did not. I wonder if, if one commercial will reference the, the hypocrisy of the just whole thing. You know, if like, you think about it, the funniest thing is that you remember that Larry David commercial? Yeah. Where he's like, no, nah, I'm never wrong about this. Yeah, and Larry like, David's Larry's right. Like, no. He was right. He was right Dude, the whole time. And if you watch every Curb Your Enthusiasm, like what a better way to settle that. So there is a bet on Bovada right now. Um, there's three different bets. Uh, will Bitcoin, ETH, or Ripple be up or down uh, after the Super Bowl? Like from the start to from the, the end. From the start to the end. Uh, okay, that's fun. I'm a, I've already lost all my bets. <laughs> I, uh, I, entered, I entered in a uh, high stakes... Uh, 
Squares game, which was uh, cash was sent like uh, a couple months ago. And uh, I ended up with like the lowest probability number. I got, well, combined with the highest probability number. I have have three and five. Three is the- Three is great. Three is the third most probable. Five is one of the worst. Five is the worst. It's like, uh, I think I looked out of, uh, and then I have five and seven, which- Five and five and three have happened zero times out of all the Super Bowls. But if you get a five, it's just over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm over. It's already lost. You so, need 35. So what I'm saying is someone take some action so I can get back yeah. to even. <laughs> five TDs, man. Yeah. I'm the worst squares player in history. Like, I think I've been playing squares for, I don't know, like 15 straight. I haven't won a single thing. And I'm always the guy who buys like 20 of them, too. And I've done it twice. And I've won twice. Have you? Oh, you should enter oh, this one. Wait, are we but I've only done it when it's like 30 bucks. No, this is the first quarter winner. Thirty grand. Can we not like? Are we confirmed? Wait, what? We, can we no, do this a, a, oh, this a high stakes? What is the buy-in? Uh, we don't talk. Can we do an alfalfa squares? <laughs> I mean, I can do the math. Hold on, listen to the man. Can we do an alfalfa squares? Is this? Uh, We're not gonna have enough time. I would love to do it, but like, it's gonna be hard escrowing all the. I, I wanted somebody to have There's created a tool for this. Somebody <laughs> should just create like a crypto smart contract with like an app. There's something in GitHub. Like everyone like, I can't deposit the money in the I smart contract. It. You mean when Eric and I feeds the Oracle price in? Yeah, like you could do it all, all smart contracts. I mean, crypto is the greatest casino <laughs> all of all time. USDC. I'm actually kind of disappointed. Yeah. This is stupid, dude. I, I can't get to it work. Exist. Even on like a web two layer, like this should already exist. Bear ridiculous. market was for get building. Percent commission. No, we're always ridiculous. like, can crypto do something useful? And this is like a very useful Perfect. thing, extremely Trustless. useful thing. I told you guys, too many nerds, not enough entrepreneurs. That's a wrap. Bingo. All right. The street no, press is messed up. No, it's so warm. And yeah, I feel like fuzzy. nice in the body. I gotta say, I love the mess. Back to our roots. Thanks, Back to guys. Our roots. We'll see you Friday. Yeah. All right. I, I love Bye. you guys. I love this podcast. Peace.